So just to uh, put us into the uh, framework of the gospel, you remember last week the uh, Sadducees were um, trying to, I'm uh, sorry, the, uh, the Herodians and, and the Sadducees were trying to uh, trip up Jesus in a kind of a thorny political mess and question about paying taxes to Caesar or not. So Jesus silenced, it says, the Sadducees, and that's when this gospel opens up. Now the Pharisees say, let's go pick this guy's brain a little, you know. He's a... And so they, they sent one among their number to, quote, test him, to test him. Now, the word test here in the Greek could be translated as well as test. It could also be tested, or it could be translated tempt, tempted him. The same verb that is used what the devil did in the wilderness, he tempted Jesus, right? Tempted, tested. It's not just a question of trying to draw somebody into sin, but let's see what, let's see what we got here. What's he made of, you know? What can we, can we find something to trip him up on? You see, that's the idea. And so then uh, that's why this uh, question comes up. And we could focus on the, uh, the, uh, the hostilities here, but I think it's still just an honest question even for two good rabbis just to talk about together. And uh, there's an interesting old rabbinic saying, a rabbi might ask another rabbi a question and he would say, give me your answer standing on one foot, which is a Jewish way of saying, be brief in your answer, all right? So I've got a couple good foot rests up here though, <laughs> but I'll try to be brief too. The, um, so, so here, I've got a question for you, rabbi. And the context is kind of a, a quick, pithy question. What is the greatest commandment? And, um, and Jesus answers in a very standard reply that any, any rabbi would have given. And he simply, he's basically quoting the Jewish Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6. Um, you know, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Echad. You know, the, so we, this is... Um, and then it goes on to say, remember, O Israel, the Lord your God is Lord alone. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. That's the first commandment. And Jesus adds, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he gives the reply, on these two commandments, every other law stands. In a way, this must have reassured the Pharisees at that moment, this would have been a very standard answer, you know. Uh, it wasn't radical or crazy or anything. It would have been a very standard answer. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to unpack it for you a little bit, but before we do, um, you start to think of in, in your mind, you often see in art, there's two tables of the law. There's two tablets on which the Ten Commandments were carved that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai. And in my, uh, so he brought them down, and usually we describe them as the first three commandments are on the first table of the law, or the first stone, and the other four through ten are on the second stone, because the first one specifies the love of God. What commandments, what, what things flow from our love of God, those first three commandments. No other gods before me, you will have no idols, and so on. You'll make holy my name, and you'll keep holy the Sabbath. So those commandments, that's the first table. And then the second table of the law is how do we treat one another? Again, you know, honoring our, our parents and legitimate lawful authority and uh, honoring, you know, not, not, not killing, not stealing, uh, not committing adultery and, and so on. All right. So 
This is, again, a very common way of understanding the entire law in the Old Testament, which is love the Lord your God completely and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. So that's a little bit of background just to kind of put us in the situation. And it is a very quick answer, standing on one foot. In fact, Rabbi Hillel was once told, was once heard to say that love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. The rest is commentary. <laughs> and so, again, the, 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 it all comes back to this. But why and how? So I'd, I'd like to look at the, this brief Shema prayer that, that Jesus quotes from. And talk about love at three levels or layers here. There's the leadership of love. There are the layers of love. And then there is the lavishness of love. All right. First of all, there's a leadership of love. So Jesus says that the whole law and the prophets depend on this command to love God and your neighbor. So love comes first. And uh, it's the power of the law. Jesus says elsewhere in John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And you've got to be careful how you hear that. It's not like, if you love me, prove it by keeping my commandments. It's, it's simply, if you love me, you, you will keep my commandments. Because you see, when you really love someone, and here I'm not just talking about romantic love. I'm talking about, you know, the, the love that we have sometimes where we esteem or honor somebody, a great teacher or a great figure that we honor and admire. And in, in that sense, there's a love of esteem. But when you really love someone, you want to know what they say, and you want to think what they think. And you, you, if you take a great teacher, you want to study and hear and know what they know and learn it for yourself. And you're excited. You want to know. You want to base your life on what people you love have told you. And yes, on the romantic side too, you know, there's going to be a lot of these things where when you really love somebody, you, you begin to love what they love and who they love. And this is a normal thing. You've heard my silly stories before, but I learned square dancing in high school because I dated a girl, Paula, who loved square dancing. I thought it was hokey, but I learned to love it because I loved her. <laughs> and, and so again, these are so romantic love or other types of love, when we, we have this, there's an eagerness that we want to hear and learn and understand who this person is. And so love leads. It opens the door, makes us enthusiastic. And so Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so it, when, when this takes place in our life, we're not just keeping the commandments because we have to, but because we want to. We're eager to please the beloved, imitate the beloved or the one that we esteem, and be like them, and think like they think, and act like they act. That's the nature of love. So again, um, we see that uh, when we want to do something, then doing it is both joyful and in some sense effortless. Love changes all of our desires, and we're going to look at that next, but again, you start to see that love leads. See, um, too many, though, of us don't sound like lovers. We sound more like lawyers. You know, uh, do I have to go to church How, uh, every Sunday? How long is it? Or, uh, <clears throat> I got news for y'all, Wednesday is a holy day of obligation, got to go to Mass. <laughs> Do I have to? <laughs> that doesn't sound like someone who's eager and loves to be with the beloved, does it? Do I have to go to confession? How often? How, you know, okay. So, see, what, what love does 
It expands our hearts and makes us eager. We want to. We want to go and be with the beloved. In this case, the Lord. Now, it's also true that the law on its, of its nature tends to minimize things. So law usually specifies the bare minimum. What do I have to do to meet the, to meet the criteria so I don't get in trouble? So especially think about a, a tax attorney. <laughs> you know? I don't, anyone out there tax attorneys? Anyway, you, you're trying to get... You're trying to get, what's the least amount that my client can pay and not get arrested, okay? <laughs> and every deduction that you can find. So the idea that law tends to look to the minimum. What's the bare minimum, the bare requirement? All right? But love doesn't say how much, how, how little must I do, but love says, what more can I do? It's enthusiastic. It's expansive. We'll develop that more at the end, but just note it for now. So that law, what's the first principle of the law? What's the greatest law? You're, hearing, you're expecting to hear a commandment, but no, the word love leads. Love God. Love your neighbor, you see. All right. And the rest flows from that. If a man really loves his wife, does he need a law that says don't break her arm? Or don't insult her and call her names? Well, if he needs one, okay, fine, but he shouldn't need one. Let all the men say amen. All right. Now then, there's, so we see the, the leadership of love. There's also the layers of love. Jesus, in quoting this text from Deuteronomy, says, um, he says that you shall love the Lord with all your heart, your, your mind, your heart, and your soul. With all your mind, your heart, and your soul. And so we see that, uh, let's look at these three these terms. You know, mind and heart in the scriptures tend to be used almost interchangeably at times, but we can distinguish them. But fundamentally, let's start with the mind. What is the mind? It's th that's where I live. That's where I'm alone with myself, and I pray with God too. I'm alone with my thoughts. I think, I deliberate, I, I uh, make decisions, and I form the will. You know, it's, it's, it's that place where I live, I think, I deliberate. I'm alone with myself and with God, and I'm putting together things, and getting the data and so on, and making decisions. So that's the mind. And we're to love God with all our mind. Now, to say that we're to love him with all our mind here is that, again, you've heard my little litany before, but do you understand how critical the mind is? It's the real battlefield. The mind is the real battlefield. Because what goes on up there influences everything else. So, so you've heard my little litany, sow a thought, reap a deed, sow a deed, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. And it all begins up in the mind. What are you thinking? What are you thinking about? Is it of God? Are God's thoughts your thoughts or do you sound more like the world and its thoughts and its ways? For my ways are not your ways, says the Lord, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. But they should be. And that's what we, we want to say. We go, we go to God and say, Lord, teach me. I'm open. I want to start thinking and seeing things the way you think and you see them. And God, very many things that God thinks and does are, are very paradoxical. Every time you and I walk into this church, we're staring at the biggest paradox of all, the Son of God nailed to a cross. The cross is very paradoxical. Nobody likes to suffer, but Jesus says that's the way to eternal life. And it's not easy sometimes. And we've all had 
these times where we know it's not easy and we think, has God forgotten me? He says, no, I'm with you on the cross. But nevertheless, that's just one example, but there's many paradoxes. But we just tend to think and parrot the world if we're not, if we're not going eagerly to God and saying, teach me. So we read scripture, we listen, we study the faith, the catechism. We learn all the things that God teaches, these perennial, unchanging truths. And we abide by them. And it influences then the way we think. The very opening word from Jesus' mouth when he began his public ministry was in the Greek, metanoiate, repent, we translate it, but it's richer than that. It means to come to a new mind or a new way of thinking. So Jesus says, think differently. Let your minds be changed and transformed. And St. Paul echoes, he says, no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. But you see, the problem is that most people don't do that. They just parrot the world, whatever the world is saying. Well, and they don't study the faith much, and they don't do much to really learn what God teaches and internalize it and make it the way they think. But if that's not going on, not much else is. Because remember, sow a thought, reap a deed. Sow a deed, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. It really does begin with how you think and what you think. So the first thing is that we are to love God then with all our mind, to go to God and say, teach me. I'm stubborn, I'm a little dull of mind, but teach me anyway, Lord. And how does he teach us? Again, certainly through the laboratory of our life, but also through his scriptures, through the solemn teachings of the church, and so on. And listen to me, says the Lord. Let me teach you. St. Paul said, you are not to walk as the pagans do in the futility of their minds, but you are to put every thought subject and make it captive to Jesus Christ. To make every thought captive to Jesus Christ. We all have our opinions, so does the world, but is it what Jesus thinks? And if you love him, you want to think what he thinks and know what he knows. Okay. So the first layer of love is that we love God with all our mind. And then the next thing is we love God with all our heart. And here I'll distinguish between mind and heart by saying, let's just say this for us today, that the heart is that place of what we would call desire, where the passions and the desires are. And um, here too, we've got a real problem. We were, at least the way we come into the world, we're... We tend to desire all the wrong stuff, you know. We know stuff that's harmful that we desire in abundance. And we know stuff that's good for us that we don't desire. That's pretty screwed up, okay? Do you, do you understand that's messed up? We know that. It all began when you wanted Twinkies, not green beans or, God forbid, broccoli or something, you know. All right. So you see the vision is our desires are kind of contorted and twisted up. And so here too, as I begin to love God... I begin to love what God loves and who God loves. And so, what does God love? Well, God certainly loves himself. God is love. He loves everyone he's made. He loves, but he also, he loves, even, by the way, even your enemy. You know, he also loves justice. He loves truth. He loves sincerity. He loves chastity. He, he you know, he, he loves generosity. And to the degree that I begin to love God, 
and this loving relationship sets up, I start to not just think the things that God thinks and want to know what he thinks, but now my desires begin to change and get more conformed to what the Lord's actually offering us. And so it is that the danger is that a lot of, a lot of people don't really want what God is offering. Freedom from sin, for example. Oh my gosh, I'd have to give up some of my favorite sins. <laughs> you know? Okay, you see the vision, right? So again, we have to let God go to work in our heart, but it begins with love. I already you know, told you, but when you love somebody, you, you begin to know, love and know, love what and who they love. And if we really love God, we'll begin to see our desires change. So love leads us then into this great, I love God, I, he's awesome, he's been good to me, I'm grateful. God, I just, oh, I, want, I want to learn more about you. That starts in my mind, but then it goes into my heart where I begin to desire more than what you really are and what really is important, not just the passing or apparent goods of the world. And so we see that there's the two layers of love we've looked at are the mind and the heart, and finally the soul. The soul is just, let's define it here as the life, the, the very life of a person. The soul is what gives life, and a new soul is given whereby we begin to live an entirely new life. I'll go, I'll go back to my litany one more time, but listen to it. We, you know, I guess, sow a thought, reap a deed. Deeds come from our thoughts. So sow a thought, reap a deed. Sow a deed, reap a habit. And habits can be hard ones, bad ones are hard to break, and good ones are hard to develop, but once you've got it, you do it without effort. <laughs> All right? So sow a thought, reap a deed. Sow a deed, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character, and that's where the soul comes in. Our very self, our very life begins to change and be conformed to what the Lord has called us to be, not just what the world demands. And so we become the man or the woman that God created us to be, and that's our soul. So sow a thought, reap a deed, sow a deed, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. In the end, you and I will either love God and what he's offering and who God loves and what he loves, or we won't. And that's why there's a hell, because heaven is about the things that God loves and the people that God loves. And if you don't love them, you won't want to be there anyway. That's the saddest thing about hell. Those who are in hell would be more miserable in heaven because their desires aren't conformed to what God has, has there. All right. So we see there, we've talked about the leadership of love. We've seen the layers of love, the mind, the heart, and the soul. Finally, the lavishness of love. I've already introduced it earlier on, but let's just go to it. Look at that little word, all. It comes up three or four times there in that little line. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You see? All, all, all. That little word, all. I already said this earlier when we were talking a little bit about the nature of law, that law says, what's the least I can do? But love says, what's everything? What's all that I can do? That's the nature of love. It's enthusiastic. It wants to please the beloved. A young man who goes to a young woman and says, it's your birthday. I have to buy you a gift, I guess. What's the cheapest gift I can buy? And just get by and check the box, you know? Checkaroni. Of course, she, you get a good slap and she, he's, he's, he's history, right? That's not the way love talks. Love is enthusiastic. He might spend too much, you know, but he's, he wants to please her. This is a moment to show love, you see? 
Or again, uh, you know, when you have a great esteem for a great teacher or professor, you know, you might say, oh, he's giving an extra lecture next week. Do I have to go? And I'm like, no, you want to go. I want to hear what he teaches about this, you know. I don't just hear him in class, but he's giving a lecture, and he wants us to be there. I want to be there. I'm excited. Are there any other lectures? Any more books you've written? You know, I'm just trying to take it out of just romantic love, you see. Love is a great esteem, a holding and awe people as well. It's not just romantic. Okay. But I hope you see today that this word all is very important. We don't just sort of fit God in under this or that. When we really love him, he becomes our very life. All of our thoughts, all these things tend toward him. And we're always fascinated, looking, seeing the beauty of creation, seeing God everywhere and being amazed and grateful our hearts alive. And that's a transition. But that sums up all the law. Because when you love God, you love what God loves and you love who God loves. And that's how the law flows from love. But love has the leadership. There are layers to it in us. And there's a, there's a lavishness in it, in us, if it's true love. And it will grow. It will grow. So a little thought, maybe at the end here, just... Sometimes we fail to ask for the most basic things. We ask for improved finances or better health. Okay, I, yep, okay. But at the end of the day, don't you think God would really be pleased if you and I asked, Lord, increase your love in me? Don't you think he's waiting to hear us ask that? Huh? Increase your love in me. Now, by the way, the love we're asking for is in human love, which is frail and fraught with all kinds of trouble. We're asking for divine love. Remember the three theological gifts, faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest, of course, is love or charity. But it's not, we're not asking for an, a bigger human love. We're asking for God's own love, that supernatural virtue of divine love to be in our heart. Don't fail to ask for the things that please him the most. He would, nothing would please him more than for you or I to ask for an increase in faith or hope or charity, or love. See, King Jesus is a listening all day long just to hear some sinner pray. Increase your love in my heart, Lord. Okay, that's the law standing on one foot. Um, not, not quite, but uh, that's the law standing on one foot. The Lord is simply saying to us today, look, love God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbors yourself, and all the rest is commentary. Amen.